continue in our series in 1 Corinthians. If you'd like to turn in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, we're going to be looking at continuing from what Jem said a couple of weeks ago, talking more about the body of Christ and the gifts of the Holy Spirit. During this section, right through chapter 13, 14, we're talking about, Paul is talking about the gifts of the Holy Spirit and how uh, we are to expect them and use them, these gifts, the different gifts that we have in the local church. So let's get ready. Over the next few weeks, there's, going to be some, there's obviously going to be some overlap, but that's good because we can never hear too much of this kind of subject. We need encouragement, don't we, to use the gifts that God has given us, to recognize them, to walk in them, to be courageous and bold and loving, to not become complacent, to, and, and to expect to use them. And um, I'll, I'll start with a bit of a quote. I'm not going to read all of it. I was going to, but it's quite long. In a book called um, uh, Begin, The Beginner's Guide, Sam Storms, The Beginner's Guide to Spiritual Gifts. I encourage you. It's a good book. He's also written a similar sort of theme, which is called about prophecy. Sam Storms, it's a good book two books there that you could look at if you'd like to learn more about this subject. It's a big subject, and we're going to be touching on some aspects of it this morning. But he begins by saying, I see a chasm. I see um, a big gap between what the vision of church in the New Testament, the vision that the church is meant to be, the impact that we see the church in the New Testament having, or you could say even Jesus' ministry. Think about Jesus. Think about the way he taught, saw transformation, saw people healed, saw people delivered from demonic powers. And then we go into the book of Acts and we see the church continuing to do that. And he admits and points to this chasm and this gap between the church, this vision of the church that we're, point, that we're painted and what we actually see. And we would have to be dishonest with ourselves if we were to say, no, actually, I'm walking in all that I see in the book of Acts or the life of Jesus. And Jesus promised that the church would do his works and greater works, including, that would include miracles, that would include, obviously, teaching, it would include, it would include suffering as well. It would include lots of things, but it does include signs and wonders as well. And he points to this, and I'll read this. So my conclusion then, how, Sam Storm says, how can we bridge this gap? How can we create the church that we see in the New Testament. And he says this, my conclusion is this, the real problems, the painful struggles, sorry, so, 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 sorry. My conclusion is this, the real problems, the painful struggles and the diminishing impact won't be solved short of a fresh infusion of power. We need power, don't we? The power of God. Not just any power, mind you, but spiritual power. The kind of power that human flesh can't produce. And revamped programs can't strategize. The church desperately needs the power of her Lord and the energy and activity of the Holy Spirit. There is something that links us 
to the success of the early church and holds forth hope that we can and will emerge from our spiritual lethargy. You may think it's harsh to say spiritual lethargy, but I would say the church in the nation is in spiritual lethargy. That's why she's diminishing in her impact and her light is so dim and why the nation is going down the plug hole morally because the church is not standing up and being the light, salt and light that she's meant to be. There is something that can transform good intentions into life-changing actions and abstract theologizing into concrete impact. I'm talking about spiritual gifts. Spiritual gifts, or charismata, that's the word, charisma, that's gift, are God's answer to the human question, why can't we do that? They are the manifestation and power of God, the Holy Spirit, through which he intends to lead the church into the fullness of its ordained end. So, if we want to see this church, and we've got to talk locally, the local church, if we want to see this church more like the New Testament church and the book of Acts, you and I have got to realise we're a part of the body of Christ and you and I have got to use the gifts in the power of the Holy Spirit. Do you agree? You're not going to say, you know, are you? But you know what I mean? You, yeah, we've got to use the gifts. You've got to use the gifts God's given you. It's not me. I can pr- my gift I'm using this morning, right? My gift, one of them, is teaching God's word. I believe it's a spiritual gift and I'm doing it. You have got to use your gifts also in the situations you're in. But, but that's in the workplace. It's, it affects everything, every walk of life. But you've got to do local church. And that's the context of 1 Corinthians 12. Because what happens here, not just, not just in this meeting here, although this is a very important meeting, when we meet in, in our community groups, when we meet in our prayer times, when we meet as friends, where we, where we seek to devote to being together, that is like a springboard for us so that we then affect our workplaces and schools and universities in a more effective way for Jesus. But we've got to do something here that energizes us with the power of the Holy Spirit, and that's using our gifts. So my, my, my uh, title this morning is Play Your Part in the Body of Christ. Turn to your neighbor and say, Play Your Part in the Body of Christ. Play your part, come on. Say, come on, in a friendly way. Don't be aggressive or anything, you know. The good thing about this, we're, we're all failing to some degree, aren't we? So it's, it's, we're, you know, we come with this with humility with each other. We've, we've all got a long way to go. And we want to hopefully take a step forward, or a couple of steps forward, this morning. And this subject is something to keep learning. That's why I suggested a couple of books there as well. So, I'm sure, so this, let's read 1 Corinthians chapter 12. I'm going to start, I'm just going to go th- work through it, uh, not too slowly, I hope, because I haven't got too long. Just as a body, though one part, verse 12 this is, has many, though, just as a body, though one has many parts, but all its parts form one body, so it is with Christ. So you see, Christ has a body. And he's talking about the local church. You are a part of the body of Christ. Christ has a body. It's you and me. 
And I'm sure we've all had the experience of being ill, haven't we? Or having an injury, maybe a bad back. And you don't realise how important that bit of you is until it goes wrong. As I was in the prayer meeting this morning, I was praying about this subject. Your, your bones are like your scaffolding, aren't they? They hold you up. I mean, if your bones all disappeared, you know, I dread to think. Um, but they hold you up. And you don't realise, do, do you, Graham? You don't realise it because he <laughs> broke his ankle recently. You don't realise how, how important that leg bone is until it breaks, right? And you can take it for granted. And we can take each other for granted. And you can take the gifts of the Holy Spirit for granted. And you can not value them. And the body has many parts. And when, you, when, you, when something goes wrong in your body, often you're given some treatment. Maybe some pills. Oftentimes, physiotherapy, right? And oftentimes, you've had the experience, haven't you? And you were given that physiotherapy. How long did you do it for? A day or two or three, maybe, maybe a week. And your bad back got better because of the physiotherapy. And then, what did you do? You gave up the exercises because you were now better. And that's what we tend to do. And we, we shouldn't do that. It's a picture, isn't it, of what we can be like in the church. We can have these gifts and we can care for them. Maybe you hear a talk. And you care for those gifts. You care for the body of Christ. You hear, a, you hear a message on loving each other. Now you love each other for a week or two. And then you give up. And then you fall back into the problem that you had. You're in a physical bad back or athlete's elbow, whatever you want to call that. Tennis elbow. Athlete's elbow. I was going to say athlete's foot, but that's kind of irrelevant. Oh, you can get athlete's foot, can't you? Keep your feet clean. Do that. Keep your feet clean. Um, but you can see the church is a body in many parts, and we're to value. Look after each other. Look after yourself. Look after the gift. Look after other people's gifts. Value them. Don't just let them deteriorate. And you can obviously see that in the physical as well. Look after yourself as well. But you can see it in the church. And... Um, Bettlinger says this in one of his books, in order to accomplish his work on earth, Jesus had a body made of flesh and blood. In order to accomplish his work today, Jesus has a body that consists of living human beings. And it's so good to see that you are, so it is with Christ. It's an interesting way of saying it, isn't it? You have a body with many parts. He says, so it is with Christ. You are a part of the body of Christ. Play your part in the body of Christ. Now, how do you become a member of the body of Christ? How do you get attacked? You know, your, your body just kind of comes like this, right? It comes like this. Miraculously, you, you get for, your, your different organs and body tissues form. You come like that. But in the church, it's different. You get joined to Christ and you get joined to one another. You're not born into it. You become a Christian and it has supernatural effects to join you to Christ and to join you to one another. Now, let's just carry on reading verse 13. 
we were all baptized by one spirit so as to form one body. Whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, we were all given the one spirit to drink. He, he points out this range of people groups, Jews and Gentiles, which, which could create racial tensions, and slave and free, which again could create tensions and disrespect, status, racial status, and and. and your status in, in the way you are employed or not employed, you're a slave or you're free. The, he says that culture you're in that has these tensions, I want you to understand now you're in the kingdom of God, that you are joined together in one spirit, by the spirit. This is not, this is not like, let's try to get on with each other, let's try to be united. This is totally different to that. This is, you are united. Just like your, your body is united together and you better start looking after yourself, likewise you are joined together by the Holy Spirit. He uses this phrase, baptized by one spirit. In other words, baptism, that when you go go down into water and you come up again, that word baptism is immersion. You get plunged into, and that word in this context means that you have been plunged into, immersed into Jesus by the Holy Spirit. If you can imagine, when we go to Otford Manor on our church weekend, last time it was freezing, wasn't it? And we all, we, we all had little goose pimples, it was freezing, wasn't it? But it's going to be a better time of the year this time, it's going to be great, isn't it, Phil? We're going to, yeah... <laughs> We're having fun, aren't we? We're having fun. Oh, so much fun. We're having fun. And, but what I'm saying is if you all jump in the pool, right, you're all immersed into the same water. You are immersed into the same Spirit. Holy Spirit is in you. You're in Him. You are joined to one another. It's an invisible unity, but it's a true unity. The same one God is in all of us. And this is a, a truth to be, well, I, have you entered into it? And you enter into it by receiving Jesus as your saviour. When you receive Jesus as your saviour, the spirit comes and lives in you. He talks about it being born again of the Holy Spirit. When you receive Jesus, you ask him to forgive you for your wrongs. You come into my life, Lord Jesus. He comes and he lives in you by the Spirit. And that same Spirit then joins you to all your brothers and sisters in the local church and in the universal church, the church around the world, everywhere. Have you done that? Have you been joined to Christ you weren't born into it. You must receive it. You must receive Jesus as Savior. And th that's for you to consider and to think about. But if you have received Jesus, this is an identity to, to reckon as true and to live in the light of. Too many of us are, are, consider church attendance as like, or church involvement or church devotion or church partnership as, as optional. Like, like it's, it's like 
I might go, I might not. You know, good job for coming this morning uh, because the sun, you know, it's sunny. You could have gone to the beach or something, you know, because, hey, the church isn't important. I could go and do something else because it's nice weather. If the weather's bad, I'll go to church. If I haven't got something more fun to do, I'll go to church. And I know I'm talking to people here who love the church, but I may not be. I want to encourage you guys. You are joined to Christ who loves his body, and you need to love his body like he loves it. It's part of being a Christian. This is not optional. Just as you're joined to Christ, you need to be joined to the people of God, and it will do you good, and you will do them good as well. That's the point. We mustn't just be hit and miss and, and treat it like it's optional. It's not optional. You are joined to Christ. That's what, he's, that's what Paul's saying here. That's why he's teaching this. Do you not know you are baptized by one spirit into one body? Do you not know this? Come on, you need to know this. Live in that identity. Now, in modern medicine, you have this idea you can transplant, can't you? Increasingly, you can transplant parts of, I mean, I could, you know, become, my heart could become your heart. If, if something happened to me and I signed a donor card, my heart can become your heart. And you see the same thing in, 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 with plants. You can join a, a, a branch into a stem. But the, what will actually make it work is that the blood flow or the sap needs to start flowing into that new member that's joined. And that's what happens with us. As Christians, the sap, the, the life, the, 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 the spirit of God is flowing into each of us. We're alive and we're joined together. You've been transplanted, as it were, into Christ when you become a Christian. And we're all parts of this body and we're all needed. So it can, we're all needed. And, so, and, and he, then Paul's going to go on to now to say that we can discount ourselves. And we've got... We've got um, you know, we'll all be a, spec, a range of, 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 you know, sometimes we think we're useless and sometimes we think we're the best thing ever and we can alternate between these things and um, we can become prideful of our gifts or we can become, we can nullify our gifts and say they're useless, I'm useless. Or I've, what can I bring? What can I contribute? Nothing. And, and, the truth is, is, is this, even, verse 14, even so, the body is not made up of one part, but many. Now the foot should say, now if the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason cease to be part of the body. So this is talking to weak people now. Weak people are saying, I'm not that, so I'm not, I'm useless. I'm not him or her, so I'm useless. And this is a very common problem that we all suffer with from time to time. And in Corinth, though, there seemed to be a real big division. There was a lot of pride, prideful people who thought they knew it, who thought they were superior. And it, and, and it seems to be that those people were the wealthier people within the church, as you read through the book. And that's not uncommon either. And 
It's a bit like, I'm not a sports person, won't pretend I am, but I'm going to give you a topical, a topical little illustration here. Liverpool, I understand from my son, are a team that's doing really well. Do you support Liverpool, anyone? <laughs> Sorry, Samuel. Silence fell. Do you support Liverpool, Samuel? Yeah? Fulham got promoted. Yeah? Arsenal, okay. Okay, we have a riot now. We have a riot. That's it. Middlesbrough, good. Preston North End. Um, I don't support. Who's Preston North End? Who's Preston North End? I think it's the oldest football club in the world, isn't it? It's a false fact. That's what I normally bring. Um, so, in a football team, you've got 11 players on the team. Or, 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 but you, do you know, apparently, Liverpool Football Club, and I don't know if this embraces the men and women team, but let's just, let's just say Liverpool Football Club, okay? Liverpool Football Club have one, nearly 2,000 members of staff to run that, that team. Let's call it 11 players on the team, right? On the, on the pitch. For 11 players to go on the pitch and for them to have all the back end and all the, the financial thing and the, all the stuff that goes into making them as successful as they are, all Middlesbrough, don't imagine they've got 2,000 staff though, but that's, that's what it requires. And that's just not, I mean, you, you know this in your workplace. They'll, they, wherever you work, there'll be different roles making the thing work. If you work in the NHS, if you're a nurse or a doctor or whatever, you've got a whole thing around you. You've got people coming in to clean and administration and finance and legalities and all kinds of stuff that's going to make this thing work. And it's true in the church. It's what he's saying. Is that there are many members. We're not all one. And it seems to be in Corinth that their particular emphasis is on tongues without interpretation. Speaking in tongues. And Paul doesn't, Paul doesn't rubbish that gift. He corrects their abuse of that gift and their pride in that gift. But he, he does correct them to say, come on, there's a range of gifts that you need to use and, and value them. So even so, the body is not made up of one part, but many. As we can see, we can nullify ourselves because I'm not this, because I'm not that. And we live in an age, don't we, where, like never before, you are exposed to the very best, the most beautiful, the most courageous, the people at their the, the, the tip-top of their game, as it were. You just have to go on YouTube or films. You are exposed like never before to the very best of what you know, people can run or dance or whatever. Which means that you, know, you say, I can't dance. Yes, you can. You just can't dance like them. You can't sing. No, yes, you, you can sing to some degree. You can sing, but you just can't sing like them. You can, do, you, you can draw, you can paint, you can do things. But you're exposed to so much amazing talent that you... And that's... You know, we live in that particular information age where we see this. 
And we say, I'm useless, I'm ugly, I'm nothing, I'm yeah, la, la, la. And we need to not nullify ourselves, but see, yes, Lord, I am a part of the body of Christ. You have given me gifts, and I'm going to use them. Don't allow what you're not to rob you of what you actually are. And we can all do that. God is creating a diverse church with diverse gifts. Just like the human body. Organs, I'm told, are a collection of tissues that work together for a common goal. Danny Levis, this is an article she wrote. But not every organ, she says, is essential for survival. She says apparently we only need five organs. The brain, the heart, the liver, and at least one kidney. Apparently, that's what you need. But you know what? We apparently, according to one count, there could be lots of ways of counting this. It's totally controversial. 78 organs in the body. Although some count differently. You could say there are 315. Or you could say all 266 bones, every one of them is a separate organ. It depends on how you count. But I'm trying to make the point that in the body, every, you, you've got, you need at least five, but actually you've got more. And for you to be healthy, you need more. And too many churches, like we focus on a couple of gifts, don't we? It's like we have this and this. And we get by. But it's no surprise, is it, that we're not affecting the world around us and as healthy as we could be if we're just focusing on one or two members of the body of Christ. We all have gifts that we need to implement and use if we're going to be that healthy body that Paul and God envisages. And it's just like the human body, likewise. Let's not just get by on the minimum. And it carries on, verse 17. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. He says, God has placed just as he wanted them to be. So you get the point here. We are the body of Christ, just as it is with Christ. We become that body by being immersed in the Holy Spirit, the Spirit living in us. We're joined together. We've got to work it out. We mustn't nullify ourselves and say, because I'm not that, I am useless. No, you've got gifts to use in the body of Christ. You are important. God has gifted you. You may have hidden things, or you may have public things. We mustn't be prideful, and we mustn't, we mustn't also despise ourselves. We're all apart. We must value each other, though we are different. Value each other. We live in a very individualistic culture. We, we live very individual lives. That's why, no, we, do challenge, we do find it a challenge, don't we, as a church, to, to meet outside of this kind of setting, for example. To have friends, to be genuine community in the church, to genuinely being in each other's lives. That's a challenge. And it, it's a challenge 
practically because we're busy. But the bigger challenge actually is not, is not about practicality. It's about faith and belief. Because where there is faith, you move mountains. You can move mountains. Where there is belief, you actually do it. You know, you are, if you do actually do believe you're part of the body of Christ, if you actually do believe you're part of the family, we make space and we sacrifice for that. It is a challenge. And we are all tempted to say, I don't need you. I don't need you. I don't need you. I'll come, to, I'll come to a meeting, but I don't need you. We need to work towards being in each other's lives and respecting each other. We mustn't um, disrespect each other's gifts. Now, it carries on, verse 21. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And you, you see the point here. What he's saying is, because someone's got a certain gift, we say, I don't need you. And it's a temptation to do that because it makes you uncomfortable. Maybe it embarrasses you. Maybe, it, maybe your pride. You just like everything orderly. You just like everything to be really academic and orderly. So you find it very embarrassing when someone brings an tongue and interpretation. It makes you feel uncomfortable. It makes me feel uncomfortable. question is, do I believe it's in the Word of God? Well, we'll carry on and you'll see it is. So, on the contrary, those parts that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts we think are less honourable, we are to treat with special honour. And the parts that are... Um, that need no special, sorry, um, that are unpresentable are to be treated with special modesty, while our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has put in the body, God has put the body together, giving greater honour to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no divisions in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. Equal concern. Different gifts, but equal concern. Equal respect. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honoured, every part rejoices with it. I could talk just on that one verse. But we mustn't say, I don't need you, to the different gifts in the church. And what can happen is, because you have a propensity and a certain gift from God, it can, it can make you nullify others' gifts. Where actually, in Ephesians, it talks about li ligaments and sinews, and you know that there's tension. The reason why you can walk is because there's tension. There needs to be tension, and there's tension between different sorts of gifts. And the kind of gifts he talked about, let's carry on here. Um, now, the body of, now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is part of it. And God has placed in the church first apostles, Second, prophets. Third, teachers. Then, miracles. Then, gifts of healing, of helping, of guidance, and of gift, different kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all have gifts of healing? Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret? The point he's making is that we have different gifts. There's a variety of gifts in the church. And he mentions eight gifts here. Now, I haven't got time, obviously, to cover them in great detail. But he mentions apostles. He mentions prophets. He mentions teachers. He mentions miracles. He mentions gifts of healing. Helping or service. Guidance or administration, tongues, and interpretation. 
Are you saying, I don't need you to any of those gifts? And if you are, you've got to have a jolly good reason as to why, rather than it just makes you uncomfortable. We need each other. And this is, I mean, these are just these eight gifts. These are just, I, I believe that the, that the gifts, the range of the gifts of the Holy Spirit are not, I don't, I don't think it, there's an entire list in the Bible. I believe that, for example, leading in worship is a, gift of, is a gift of the Holy Spirit. It's not mentioned in the Bible, but I certainly think it would come under the realm of encouragement, wouldn't it? Something like that. These kids are all happy. That's nice to hear. Do you say, I don't need you? And that can be active rejection. I don't need you. Or it can be passive rejection. And this is probably true for most of us, many of us. Passive rejection is this. And I, I sort of... I, I hope you know that we as leaders are gentle with you. So... I, we encourage you to get involved with stuff, but we don't come knocking on your door and condemning you. But for example, when someone encourages you to get involved with something, so say we say as a church we're going to be doing this together, like a week of prayer, we feel we want to seek God together. That, what, what gifts are involved in that encouragement? There's, there's teaching, because we believe uh, prayer is important. There's uh, administration, because it's being organized. Um, There'll be some gifts of, you know, the technical side of things nowadays. With, we did a lot of Zoom meetings. Again, that will be around helps and service. Thank you for all that you do. But do you see what I mean? Those are all gifts. Now, if we just say, wow, you know what? I'm not going to bother coming to the week of prayer. That's a, is it, I, I want to be gentle with you, but where's your heart? Are we receiving the gifts? Are we responding to the gifts? Are we responding to teaching? Are we responding to prophecy? Are we responding to leadership? Are we responsive? And that's also on me as well. I listen to you. I, I, I respect you. And we've got to be a, a body of Christ that respects, not passively rejecting gifts. Even if we say, in theory, I believe them. We must listen to prophecy and ask ourselves, does this need to affect me? Do I need to change? So, are we saying, I don't need you? No, every, every Christmas, when I was a kid, I used to get the Argos catalogue, which doesn't exist anymore, because it's all gone online. And I would sit there with like my Bible, and I would out-circle things. I want that, I want that, I want that. I want my Superman suit, I want that. And I would be eager for everything. I want a Playmobil plane. I still remember one. I never got a Playmobil plane. Never. I eagerly wanted it, never got it. And that's some of you guys, you're not going you're not gonna get the, all the gifts you want. Sorry. But what I'm saying, Paul says this, he ends with this. Eagerly desire. The greater gifts. Just stand up. Eagerly desire the greater gifts.
eagerly desiring the greater gifts. When he says greater gifts, he's not saying there's a hierarchy of gifts because that would be against all that we've been teaching and what he's teaching. There's no hierarchy of gifts, as it were. When he says the greater gifts, he means those which build other people up. So, doing things in love. How can I love people with my words? How can I love people with my works, my service? How can I love people with wonders, as in praying for the sick, miracles, things like that? Pray. If someone's sick, pray for them. If there's a need, and you can, seek to meet it. If there's somebody who needs an encouragement, bring a word of encouragement. And as you do so, as you eagerly use your gifts to serve others, you'll find a pattern emerge and you'll begin to see where your particular gifts lie by service. Do you understand? Through service, through helping people, through seeing the results of what you do. You'll begin to see, oh, when I do that, I feel a joy. When I do that, I see a, a, a response. When I do that, I see growth. Thanks, Eve. It takes time to emerge sometimes. You know, I keep encouraging you, Eve, in your worship leading. And it's, you know, to grow in it. And you, Nick, I keep encouraging you, don't I? Encouraging you. Hopefully I'm an encouragement. Am I an encouragement? Always. Hopefully I'm not just a nag. You see it in people. Because sometimes you can't see it in yourself, right? Sometimes the best mirror is somebody else talking to you. Like Phil's got such a great gift of encouragement. You are a gift. You bring encouragement to people. Doesn't he? Always. Gentle encouragement. Maybe it's hidden things. Helen, like your, your helps and service and organizing things. It's a gift. You've got a real gift of doing it. Some of you, you know, you're praying, your intercession. This week of prayer has been enhanced by the gifts that people have brought. Prophetic words, prayers, it's just been a rich time. It would have been really boring if everyone would have been like me. But because we're different, we bring that difference. It's just a rich time. And it's the church. Come on, guys. It's eagerly desire spiritual gifts. The Spirit lives in you. Eagerly desire works through wonders. Seek to encourage and build people up. You'll find your gifts. You'll build an amazing church. And will affect people around us. But will you personally respond? I can't do it for you. You have to choose to respond yourself to eagerly desire spiritual gifts. Take a step today. Go and encourage someone. Go and pray for someone. We're going to finish there.